Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on. I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River. And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Anishinaabeg people. Sigs, we have been on hiatus for the month of April, and so we many have. things have happened in pop culture since the Oscars. Now... Listeners, I have to let you know that you're getting this episode at the beginning of May, but we literally have been off. And the last thing that we've done pop culture wise is actually watch the Oscars. What did you think of it? It was like, I liked a lot of the wins. It was, did you find it like an old school glamour, like dinner? At a train station. <laughs> yeah. Like, I felt like it was, you know, in the 30s where I think that they bring yes. people out and there's not very many people and, and stuff. It was different. Like, I think we have some comments on, on how it went as a bit of a, a pop culture catch up. But you and I both know, like, I guess people watching the Oscars, it just has gone a little bit lower and lower as years have progressed versus well, the time. Well, the used- ratings had gone down, yeah. on it, right? Like 50% or some really drastic number. And of course, it's kind of like, who cares? And mm-hmm. did anyone see anything? And it's so strange having been able to see all these movies. Although I'll have to say, I hardly saw any of the movies this year. I think partly it was a function of of time but second it was like there isn't the same fanfare and it just makes you realize that going to the movies is a real fanfare like experience and that was really missing this year so it was hard to kind of get excited about some of these i absolutely agree with you to get excited the one movie that stuck in my mind that i watched was minari there's so many movies in my queue like i know i want to see promising young woman but i guess it's a spectacle right that you take away that movie going experience it was a little bit of more of a challenge for us yeah, to go out there. I would agree. And then so much about the entertainment promotion industrial right. complex. So we're so used to like, here's the big tent pole movie or here's the rush of Oscar movies after December 25th yeah. and everyone going out to go see them and then seeing red carpets and then watching whatever your favorite entertainment magazine television show is, if you still watch them and then hearing the reports and mm-hmm. all of that was missing. And because of that, it was hard to kind of get excited about any of these particular movies that were nominated. I absolutely agree with you. But what I could get excited and behind was like, some of the wins were like uh, groundbreaking. And I hate to say record breaking. Yes. The example I think of is Chloe Zhao, who won for Best Director and Best Picture. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you, like me, loved seeing Bong Joon-ho present in in Korean. And then he he went and engaged each director to talk about, like, what do you think about filmmaking? And for her to win, and I think she's the only second woman to have won. That's incredible to think in the about. In the whole history, right? Because the other person was, right. I think it was Catherine Bigelow, right? Mm-hmm. For the Hurt Locker. And then Chloe Zhao, not only to be Asian and a woman, mm-hmm. but two, only two after all this time? Like, it's yeah. crazy. And also, because I saw Minari to see, and I apologize for mispronouncing, Yoon Young Jung winning Best Supporting Actress with such class, addressing microaggressions, and mm. sort of just been like, oh, hey, Brad Pitt. Wow. Like, it just... <laughs> Yeah. She was charming on stage during her acceptance speech, you know, and she was quite amazing, especially when she was talking about her kids and stuff like that. Her son. Yeah, she brought her back, eh? Mommy yeah. works. 
This Mummy is why. <laughs> well, and it just shows you like that sometimes success is based on the backs of women, I think is what she was really saying. Absolutely. In some ways. And I think just kind of coming back to Chloe's wins, yes. it just makes me think how much directors is very much an all boys club is very clear yes. in terms of that win. And, and just knowing that only two women have won that category in the time that the Oscars has been around for this long. So, mm-hmm. And also this warms my heart. The other thing that really stuck out for me was her, a Filipino. Mm, yes, yes, And yes. black woman winning best song for Fight For You from the Judas and the Black Messiah. And if you saw like her mom on the red carpet with her, be, like that was all our moms. Like you'd be like, oh my god, that's an that's my tita. Like she's on yeah, there and winning. Totally, I just thought right? that was really really great. I really didn't know who was going to win that category. I thought like the song from um, Fire and Ice, the Will Ferrell movie, had a good shot too. But I just Filipino. She won. Like she, that, that was in. so amazing. You yeah. had texted me, and I was like, oh my god, that's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So I was really happy to see her win. But to be honest, like <laughs> again, I didn't see half of these movies, and it was like trying to figure out which one of these is does it actually push the song. In, in any event, I'm just glad to see some representation. Absolutely, out there. Right. What were your thoughts on the I Oscars? I certainly thought that the Oscars was an intimate affair, as you had kind of mentioned. Very strange that it was in mm-hmm. a train station. <laughs> you know, it was a very beautiful train station. Oh, yeah. And I think that they needed it just from a logistics point of view in terms of being able to get all that space. So they were able to do that. But I don't think that they had a choice but to be intimate, but still socially distanced, mm-hmm. like trying to to kind of adhere to public health standards that are currently out there. But it very much felt like an award show like the Golden Globes, where right. it felt like dinner theater. Like, That's it. <laughs> like I felt like they were going to be served cocktails at any moment, that they were going to eat their meals and stuff like that. Obviously, they weren't eating, but really small and really intimate. But I just have to tell you, I loved Regina's walk into <gasps> Did the you station. feel like, is this a movie? And then you saw the credits, like Soderbergh, and you're yeah. like, I'm all in. I'm like... She's strutting. She's she's walking right she in. Was totally we strutting. <laughs> she was totally strutting. So I absolutely, absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because I'm sure you saw the lead up to all of this in terms of the promotion that they mm-hmm. were talking about how there was going to be lots of representation. So it was really strange for me. Like, and this is, I guess, my only critique of the show on how anticlimactic the ending was. <gasps> and we were all led to believe. I don't know if you were led I to think, believe this. I think it was. I think, go ahead with this thought. Yeah, gonna I was going to go say, ahead. I was led to believe that Chadwick Boseman was going to win yep. his Best Actor Award posthumously. That it was so strange to see director and Best, best Film and Best Picture be shown like not as the last awards That's but right. you know the penultimate awards and I thought oh I see what they're doing they're gonna have mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman win and then isn't it great that Angela Bassett will be the one to accept it as you know if you will Disney mother mm-hmm. and then it wasn't him it wasn't him yeah, it was Anthony it. Hopkins who wasn't even there yeah it was it's climactic yeah I think they were betting on it and I even think Chadwick Boseman's wife attended and right. stuff. I think she would have made a presence there too. I just, yeah, it, the money was on it and it wasn't there. I And I just thought, I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, they just did Beck's picture? Why? What about the other acting awards? So it was just, yeah. It was puzzling. It right? was like, puzzling. You know, I haven't read too much about it. I mean, partly, I hate to say this, listeners, but this is probably the one Oscar award season that I probably did not read a lot of articles on it or a lot of that is surprising. Yeah. yeah, you know, Sigs. Like I usually read up on it. I like to kind of understand how the it, industry yeah. works. We talk about it. 
again, just the earlier reasons that I talked about, I wasn't really too jazzed up about it because I had not seen the promotion and had not realized how much the promotions do matter, right? In Mm -hmm. terms of us getting to see a film. Of the promotion that I did pay attention to, it was all about kind of like representation and posthumously Chad Boswick had a good chance of getting some awardings. Again, very, very disappointing. And I don't know why that happened. I'm sure someone has an analysis out there that I'll eventually read, but... Yeah, listeners, if you have any theories as to why we suddenly had a lunch bad letdown on this year's Oscars, I'd love to hear what you have to Absolutely. say on our socials and stuff like that. So, what else did you think, Sigs? You know what, though? Since the Oscars, which is, wasn't long ago, I felt like I'm acutely aware of representation, like sort of popping up and creeping up everywhere. And I don't know mm. about you, because I was watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. On right, Disney Plus, right. because I do. Mm-hmm. It's our taste right. test this week of also. Of course, of course, yes. Third episode, all of a sudden, I'm like, why am I hearing Tagalog music? <laughs> They're yes. in Madripoor. Zemo, Falcon, Winter Soldier are there. Bucky. The song Amats by Shanty Dope is in the background at this bar. Sean Patrick Ramos is a rap, 20-year-old Filipino rapper. And I hear the Tagalog. I'm loving the beats. I obviously downloaded it on Apple Music, and I'm like... Oh my God, Filipino music in the middle of a, an MCU franchise. I, I'm loving this. Amazing. I'm loving this. I know. I was like, okay, I'm good with this. And then you saw what happens mid-April, right? Yes, like, I did. Lovely Simu Lu's birthday. Not only right. ushered his birthday, the next Shang-Chi, Marvel Universe, they dropped the trailer for Shang-Chi in the Legend of the Ten Rings trailer. <laughs> and yes. not only that, and listeners, I apologize because I'm right now on camera <laughs> with Jesse and I'm holding up. My Shang-Chi toys, because my wife is a queen and got me the Lego. Oh, my God. That's so great, Sig. Right now. So (laughs) I went crazy, and I'm like, I need this now. My wife's like, okay. Then all of a sudden, a delivery comes like two days later, and I'm like, oh. (laughs) And here it is. Oh, my gosh. But, like, the excitement, MC Universe pumping up. And even before, I know Black Widow's coming. But yes, to see Shang-Chi, yes. I'm like, oh, and Aquafina, Ronnie Chang, Michelle Yeoh. Excitement, excitement. Like powerhouses for sure, right? Mm-hmm. So. And, and I'm seeing all these little pop-ups. And then again, and just another edge. I've never really enveloped the High School Musical show, series, the movies. I know you've watched it. Yes, but obviously, yes. whatever, this show is getting a little bit of uh, some hype and stuff, whatever, because one of their actresses is Olivia Rodrigo, who is Filipino, dropped That's a right. song that everyone loves since January called Driver's License. But what I'm way more attracted to is April's drop of her song Deja Vu, which I'm addicted to. And mm. Delaney's listening to it, and it's trying to program her. And Delaney's totally into her because she thinks she's friends with Taylor Swift. I'm like, no, <laughs> I am the prize, Delaney. Filipino girl, music, awesome. And her album drops sour drops this may i'm seeing it everywhere like i'm seeing representation and even like when it's filipino even like our little bruno mars with anderson pot dropping silk sonic the band like one album giving us r&b pleasure i'm in heaven are you seeing all this too these little pops of all this courtesy of disney yeah i have been seeing them i was just gonna say though and remark on olivia rodrigo yes. getting your head in the game yes so i'm glad to see that at least she's kind of piqued your interest i've really enjoyed that if you will cultural property of disney's mm-hmm. in terms of high school musical but yes i've recently been thinking about that and especially yeah. what you've been noticing in terms of what you've mentioned and it might be because we're probably big disney boy fans if we yeah. ourselves that. <laughs> but most of what you've raised sigs is representation have a basis or a link to being a disney cultural property and mm-hmm. which is so 
ironic when mm-hmm. you actually kind of think about it because Disney has had a troubled history upholding rather gendered, racist, and European narratives, as most people know, where mm-hmm. Disney itself could be accused of actually upholding white supremacist principles of, at times. You know, and I think it's just had a checkered history about that. Despite Disney having that, it's been interesting, like, if you look at the academic literature, yeah. believe it or not, Six, there's actually a thing called Disney Studies. Get Which out. I've never, no, no, I kid you not. I'm sure you could take a cultural studies program and, and like focus all of your thinking and studies on the study of Disney cultural properties. Oh my gosh. And they point out these things mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, how they put out this common message of women and girls and princesses needing to be rescued or not having appropriate representation of BIPOC in their animation. I just remember seeing Pocahontas, you know, decades ago. Oh my God. <laughs> that's just not the best way no. to be depicting any culture, let alone indigenous cultures. But what's really interesting, and I think it's probably the payoff is what we're seeing now from what Disney had started in recent years, is their efforts to shift towards the idea of belonging. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at some of what's been coming out of Disney lately, it's these ideas of belonging as expressions of diversity and inclusion, right? Like, oh, right. Like if you think about kind of like what Disney is all about, it's about making you feel hope, mm-hmm. the experience of magic, the idea of wishing. Right. And, you know, when you put all of those together, the expression of diversity, equity, and inclusion is that experience or feeling of belonging. And certainly I think, you know, we had seen that in terms of their representation and the effect that had on the black community when Black Panther came out. Right. And I think somewhat of a, maybe an understated version of that for the Asian community, of course, as recently Brea and the Last Dragon. Oh, so good. Yeah. I, did you see that? I, I loved saw it. That. We, saw- we put the money in and we bought it and we loved yeah. it. We yeah, loved yeah, yeah. It. I loved it too. And what's really interesting when I was watching Ray and the Last Dragon was it presented a narrative about Asian pen ethnicity. Yes. Right? And you can confuse us all as one monolithic race, or you can recognize the different types of cultures that are out there. So there was a double competing message of how being Asian is not just basically a monolithic experience, something that we've talked about over and over and over, yeah. over and <laughs> yeah. over again, you know, because I don't think, you know, there's so many things to talk about, but again, how being Asian is not a monolithic experience. And yet what was interesting, that sense of cooperation can be a monolithic experience. And I thought, hmm, that's a really interesting pairing. And I think Disney is really trying to be a little bit more responsible in terms of representation. So if you actually look up Disney equity, community inclusion, you'll read up on all this stuff about oh. how they want to make sure that there's belonging yeah. in some way, shape, or form. I'll tell you the one thing that I noticed, and it was less this year, it was more in December of 2020 was, and we didn't really get to talk about it on this podcast. No, I think I just, I think I reposted it. Yeah, Yeah, I know that you had reposted it, but I think we failed to kind of program this in. So it's a bit kind of late that we're talking about Uh it now. It's still worth mentioning is that Disney UK promotional material for Christmas called From Our Families to Yours. Yes, And it was that short story in the UK of a Filipino family celebrating Christmas, the Lola or the grandmother Mm -hmm. teaching her daughter to make the classic Filipino Christmas paroles, which are basically a star made out of rice paper that you usually hang in your window window or around your house. Mm -hmm. And it was really wonderful to see that kind of come alive. And 
I just remember really feeling teary, right? And again, it met that core value that Disney is now trying to promote amongst all their cultural properties of having a feeling of belonging. And then suddenly it was like, oh my God, Disney actually sees our culture. Like, I certainly felt that. Did you feel that when, when I you did? That? I think it was great to see that UK short, especially after seeing Float by Bobby Rubio dropped in October. Right, right. And yeah. just to see that, especially at Christmas time, because, you know, we love Christmas. Mm, and, yes, and it did all right. the right notes and the, the music in the background and just the light up of the parole and the, and the Lola just being by herself and then the, the oh, daughter, like, like, okay, or the, yeah. the granddaughter, the Apple spending time with her. It was wonderful. I, I really, really liked that short. Yeah, I really liked that short. And again, it just made me think more, at, at least in terms of today's episode around representation for the win, mm-hmm. which is the first half of today's episode, where Disney actually says in some of their corporate material that we are a better company when our people at all levels reflect the life experiences of our audiences. It's really made me think kind of how they're trying to overcome their past mm-hmm. where they've had a really difficult history around appropriation and gendered messages and racist messages in some ways or messages that would promote racist structures in a lot of ways. I just have to say that in as much as it's great to see all of these representations kind of popping up all over the place, especially within the Disney cultural properties, you know, I have to say I'm cautiously optimistic that the representation will eventually do us justice. That if from our family to yours and everything else that we've been seeing is a good indication of things to come, that would be a joyous future for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have anything to add to that idea. No, I agree with you. And if we can send you to see it, that, that'll be better. And see more stories, right? Yes, not, yes. not just that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I and I you. think seeing all this representation kind of like as we were talking about the Oscars and how people win at the Oscars and how this year's Oscars had promised us more representation, you know, it really is representation for the win. And it's funny today, as I think about kind of winning, like typical thing that most Filipinos, you know, <laughs> talk about is kind of winning game shows and winning lotteries. And <laughs> as Michael and I were just going on our walk, mm-hmm. Michael was like saying, oh, look, the lottery is worth 30 million. We should really buy some tickets and stuff like that. I don't know if you've been kind of like dreaming that way, but certainly sometimes I do find myself dreaming Always. a little bit about the lottery, you know, in terms of how the pandemic is giving us a lot of chance to do a bit of daydreaming as we kind of wait for these halcyon days to return you know michael's been saying you know what we could do with 30 million i'm like i don't know what we what, what could you do with <laughs> what did he suggest? <laughs> well actually he thought about wanting to produce a continuation of season two of a thailand bl drama series that we had just recently seen <laughs> called tale of a thousand stars because i think oh he's got gosh. a bit of a crush on two of the characters there and he thought <laughs> oh I, and i had said to him they're never gonna do a season two because they've got their kiss and like why would you tell you know a romance story past season one yeah. but either way that's what he would do and maybe listeners you could tell us what you would do with 30 million dollars that kind of leads us to our culture capital topic uh-huh. of this particular episode which is really jackpot mentality have you heard this idea of jackpot mentality before sigs not quite shades of it but tell me more so jackpot mentality tends to be this idea of hoping to win a million bucks 30 million Mm dollars you know a million pesos or 100 million pesos whatever the case may be and the narrative is typically told um, when we think about kind of 
earning money, mm-hmm. we usually think of the typical narrative of overseas foreign or workers. workers or mm-hmm. Balak Bayans or the Masipag Filipina X or Filipino in the Philippines, those that work hard. I know that you and I have been both instilled with this, you know, you have to be Masipag, which means <laughs> that you're hardworking for our listeners out there that don't speak Tagalog regularly. Yeah. But what's really interesting is this background narrative is the focus on winning a jackpot. And if you look at a bunch of Filipino variety shows, you know, you'll see people winning like 5,000 pesos if you do this or 5,000 pesos if you do that or, you know, 10,000 pesos. And that there is like game show after game show after game show in the Philippines, you know, from the wall, the Philippines to wow, 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 win, right? (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen no, tell me about um, that any one. of these. Some of them I don't even get, right? Like <laughs> they have to do all these like crazy tricks mm-hmm. or crazy things on television. And if they're successful, of course, they get, they get money. Yeah. Sometimes it's like answering trivia. It feels like let's make a deal, deal. meets the Philippines is really what it is. <laughs> and every variety show has a number of games where people can win. But you kind of see this jackpot mentality where like people hope to win something, whether it's these game shows or raffle draws. Mm-hmm. I know in the Philippines, one of my aunts, people would come to the door asking if she wanted to bet on a raffle draw uh-huh. and she would have to choose like three numbers. And it's like, and then she gives over like however many hundreds of pesos. And it's like, Tita, like what's going to happen with that? Oh, I'll find out tonight if I win. Right. And I'm like, well... Do you even get to see the numbers? No, no, no. They, I oh, can sorry. trust them. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> like, they go away. They take her money. They come back. Like, at the evening, they say either she won or she didn't win. She may win a, a couple hundred pesos back or whatever the <laughs> case may be. And then just a lot of lottery betting and stuff like that. But the other way that a jackpot mentality manifests, at least in the Philippines, or what I've seen within the community, is these kind of get-rich schemes. And they're different from hustle culture. I've usually seen them as my parents being cajoled into investing into some shady deals or some deals that say that they're going to have a lot of return. And of course, you know, something that promises you a lot of return, you you need to be suspicious of. But ironically enough, those Filipinos that adhere to that jackpot mentality easily give in to that idea or naturally believe in that idea. I don't know if you've had that experience. Have you ever had that experience of people cajoling your parents into these get rich. Yes, from Filipi- like from fellow Filipinos, whether it be like a cookie business or like makeup. Oh, celebrities right. or Amway. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. I've that's seen right. that yeah. and you know in the culture and you're just like a little bit of a guilt, like we should support our brethren and stuff, but not anything more of a different type of scheme versus like selling products, but yeah. If you get enough money, like a modest winning, you should use that winning to then put into some business like selling makeup, <laughs> like selling cookies, yeah. like setting up a sorry, sorry store or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I know my parents have been cajoled into these things just as much as your parents have probably been cajoled into all of it. But, you know, my observation is that they all focus on how hope is the key to financial security or financial planning. You know? And I and I think that that's interesting. It's like, I don't know that it's hope that is the key to financial security or financial planning, right? Yeah. You know, like you must have some thoughts on that, but it's just kind of, for lack of better words, like my mind explodes when I see that happening where it's like, you know, you hope you're going to win or you hope this investment is going to be okay. That's not to say that I don't believe in like, 
investments, but you got to be really savvy about them as opposed to, hey, like if you give us this money, we're going to set up this business because like this business is going to make lots of money. And it's like, yes, but do you have a business like, plan? Do you, you have, have a like, business plan? What's the research you that you did in this climate? What type of business? Yeah, it, it's a lot hinging on hope, isn't it, Kuya? Yeah, and I think to myself, instead of like study, you know, and, mm. and I think our listeners know this, that I'm, I'm quite the person who likes to study and learn and stuff like that. If I was ever cajoled, I'd be asking all these questions. It's like, well, what would be the return on investment if I put in X amount of dollars? Or have you looked at the market? Or is there actually a need for this particular product? Or who makes this product? Or what's the profit margin on this particular product? And it's interesting, the response isn't answers to that. The response is usually, oh, trust me, right? Oof, you know, yeah. And then it's going to, and we'll hope, we'll hope that we're going to make the money. And it's like, trust the person instead of necessarily the market or the economics of it all. Mm -hmm. So the other thing in terms of this jackpot mentality is kind of like what it says about money and money culture in the Philippines. And I think on the flip side is that Masipag, that overseas foreign mm -hmm. worker, that Balak Bayan that has created a life where we've learned that money is earned through sacrifice. But it's interesting, I think, in the jackpot mentality, it's on the other side of that coin where that money is given freely in some ways. And I've seen some Filipino families have their hands out when there's actually been like an actual jackpot winning. And I remember this one Filipino family yeah. in the West End of Toronto uh -huh. where they had won a lot of money mm -hmm. at the casino. Oh. Yes, yes. And this is the way the story goes without having to reveal too much, mm -hmm. you know, about that uh, this family. But this person won a lot of money at the casino. It was quite a surprise. The person was a little bit naive. Uh -huh. And then the family started expecting their share of all of that Ooh. and was influenced to make a lot of investments in property in places where it's like you're not going to get that much return on investment in some ways. And in the end, things didn't work out for that person and they weren't any better off. But it is interesting. It's like when someone wins the jackpot, there's this expectation that, you know, you're going to help everyone around you. I don't know if that's ever been conveyed to you in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I, I have a really good example, but I, I know people that listen to this podcast <laughs> and it's along that same lines. And yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, Oh, I have to be. I, I apologize, listeners. I I have a really good example, but I can't. I, I can't articulate That's it. Yes, okay. I'm familiar with it. Darn it. That's okay. But <laughs> yeah. it is interesting, right? Like, I mean, it's the fact that you even have experience of it. I have experience of hearing about Filipino families where if you win the lottery, you're gonna do this for all the people around you, not yeah. just your immediate family, but like your second cousins, second your cousin, third like cousins. An expectation, though, right, Kuya? Like, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know? you know, and that it's like a jackpot. Then everyone is supposed to win, not just that person. So it's again that that money kind of comes freely. You know, the other thing that I kind of hear too about the jackpot is this is how some families hope that their kids are the ones that bring in the money into the family and that somehow kids are the retirement plan. Now, I will say I joke around with my nephews and nieces about that. <laughs> <laughs> but rest assured to any of my nephews and nieces that are listening to the podcast, know that your Tita Michael and I, you know, have our retirement plan and stuff like that. If we need you for anything, it's for driving that damn self-driving car that keeps taking me to Scarborough Town Center instead of the Eden Center. Oh my and God, that I'll need so them funny. to actually pre-program the car because <laughs> I will be probably impatient with technology at that 
that point. But getting back to this topic, I think that sometimes <laughs> kids are seen as the retirement plan. And although it's true around the world where we rely sometimes on our children as we get older later in life, I think even more so in our culture where retirement and money kind of comes from your kids down the road. I don't know if you've... you've That's a, such an interesting observation. I see that in the community, but when I see my parents, they've worked so hard in North America that they're okay. Sometimes I'm like, how did, mm. hey guys, you've done pretty well and you're, you're still going well. And I was like, well, you know, we planned, you know, we learned about earning money and stuff like that. And that's right. not your responsibility. We want you to be able to flourish on your own right. and stuff. Right. But that observation, Kuya, yeah, I find it so interesting to see, right? Like, within our culture to take care of the elders and stuff. And, and I never, I always think of taking care physically. I keep on forgetting like monetarily as it being part of the responsibility of the younger generation or the kids. So when I think yeah. about my parents, for example, right up until, you know, one of my grandmothers who had died, you know, they were mm. still supporting her through the property mm. that they owned back in the Philippines, of course. But when I kind of think about that, my mom's an adult child supporting her mother. Mm -hmm. My mother was the retirement plan in a lot of ways. And I think to myself, that's, I don't think necessarily our North American counterparts would think of themselves that way or their, their children yes. that way or their parents that way. And we don't even think twice about it. And when we do that, are we burdening anybody? And if we are burdening anybody, if we are burdening the kids and thinking of them as the retirement plan, what are we doing with their future? That's the question that I ask. And are we actually setting themselves up to not experience as much success down the road? I don't think I have an answer for it, but it's a question that I'm starting to ask and think to myself, hmm, I don't know if you look like you have something to say. No, I feel like you're setting up another episode for us. <laughs> yes, I probably am. I think, no, because that's very, I know it's very late in this episode. I think those are really good thoughts to bring up because uh, there's other things. When you say burden and stuff, my parents do a lot for my cousins in the Philippines and my aunts and uncles beyond stuff and things they go through. And I remember my mom once said, what happens if we pass? Does it stop? Yeah. Like, where does the responsibility lie? And I, we will talk more about this. I think this is a good yeah, discussion. I know that you've hinted at that off, before. Yeah. Kind of like our parents have their obligation in terms of being somebody's retirement plan, perhaps, because yes. they live in a, mm -hmm. you know, they, our parents live in a country that, you know, where wealth is much more than what the wealth is experienced back in the Philippines. That's and right. ironically enough, we know both our set, our parents have worked incredibly hard, it's but really hard. sometimes yeah. expected to give this money freely, right? Like they're expected to give this money freely through mm -hmm. these remittances. Or if your parents have visited the Philippines, just like my parents have visited the Philippines, there is this expectation that when my dad walks around his neighborhood in Manila, people come up to him expecting him to give money right away. And they're wow. just neighbors. They're not like family members. They're neighbors and stuff like that. And it's wow. an expectation. At some point, we might want to talk a little bit about money culture and how it relates or is more of an extension of this idea of a jackpot mentality. But I think our cultural values as Filipinos has a bizarre, if I can call it that, relationship with money where it's both freedom and a burden know at the same time yeah. and so and it's like what does that say like i don't think other cultures have both competing ideas and what does that say about us as a culture that money isn't necessarily always about freedom and sometimes money isn't is sometimes a burden 
And how do we balance that in, in some ways? And why do we balance that? And again, I don't necessarily have some answers about that, but that's something for us to kind of think about right. as well. I would say that when I do think about the jackpot mentality, it does remind me that sometimes a shortcut to whatever we're hoping, and you had heard me say this before, that jackpot mentality is really about using hope as a way of financial planning. Again, I would say that instead, there is no shortcut in terms of financial planning. So that would be one fixing mm-hmm. of the week. The other is, is is that, listeners, I hope you don't think that this isn't about sharing the wealth. This is Our podcast has always been about sharing the wealth, whether it's informational and knowledge wealth. We talk about wanting to share the wealth, but you only do that after all your needs have been satisfied. And I think that that's something to kind of think about too, that whole idea that if you win a jackpot, you're supposed to not only share with your immediate family, but with your entire community in some ways. And maybe our community does deserve that. Who knows? But I think to myself, <laughs> taken to to apply that to our lives, to share any wealth, I think you have to be okay first before you can do any of that. So that would be kind of like the fixing of the week that I would leave everybody with. That's I don't well know put. if there's anything else that you want to add to today's topic, representation for the win and jackpot mentality. No, I, you opened my mind to that mentality and things that I've encountered in our culture. I, I think you brought those thoughts up and I think you just probably like put, provided a layup for another episode mm. in season four. More things to talk about. about money right. culture. Yeah. Absolutely. Folks, we want to hear from you guys what you think about the representation in Disney cultural property and the jackpot mentality. Email us at holoholopopculture at gmail.com. The Holoholo podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Please rate us and leave a review. And you can find us on social media. Our Twitter account is at holoholopop and we're on Instagram at holoholopopculture. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Bedian. Our musical theme is by Chaltering and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. See you soon, guys. Wait, wait. Did you and Michael actually buy a lottery ticket, though? <laughs> no, it's at 30, we did. 30 mil? <laughs> I think we I told them we then. only buy it after 50 million, right? If it's 50 million, then we buy a lottery ticket. So, Well, that certainly sounds like some hope. <laughs>